Hey, before we get started today, let's just give a hand clap to our live stream. There are people watching all over the United States today. Welcome to church live stream. We're concluding our series this morning, building a prayer altar in the presence of the Lord. And I wanted to uh, end this message series with a message titled, Praying in the Power. Praying in the Power. Praying in the Power. The New Testament word for power, uh, the majority of the time, is the Greek word dunamis. It means a dynamic. It describes the power of God, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. It speaks of authority. Whenever you find the word power, it's talking about the authority of the king and the kingdom of God. Um, it, 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 it describes uh, an enhanced dynamic that God gives people who believe uh, an, an enhanced dynamic in relation to God and in relation to other people, authority. Um, it's a power that creates a convincing evidence that God is real and Jesus is real, right? Jesus said, you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. He didn't say you'll go out and witness, although we do, but with the power of the Spirit clothing us, we will be witnesses because there's nobody in the world like people who are people of the Spirit. Can you say amen to that? Amen. amen. But today we're going to talk about the power of the Spirit and praying, the power to pray. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to pray, power to pray. Like everything else the Holy Spirit does. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. That means the Holy Spirit will put in my life and in your life, if you're a, a believer, a willingness, a, a, a new willpower, a God willpower to pray from the inner working of the Holy Spirit in us. It's beyond human strength and it's beyond human willpower. Let me ask you, are you ready for God's word today? Yes. Are you ready in the back? You ready for God's word today? Yes. All right, would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? We're going to look at a couple passages in the epistle of, uh, of the book uh, called Jude. Jude, and if you're looking for chapter 2, there isn't one. There's uh, just one chapter, a few verses, verses 20 and 21. Would you read them with me out loud? And it's great to see a packed house today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I heard there was a packed house last week, and I thought word got out I wasn't going to be here. But that's, what I, that's why word got out. Dustin did a great job, right? Man. Mm. Yeah. That's for you, Dust. 20 and 21, let's go. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Let's pray. Lord, we know that praying in the Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit, is such a wonderful grace given to every born-again believer. Yet there's so much mystery and misunderstanding concerning this beautiful and dynamic blessing from you, Jesus. I pray that you'd help us to open our hearts and our minds to the only teacher, the Holy Spirit, the only helper, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. You said you would lead us and he would lead us and guide us into all the truth. I pray that we'd be open to that and we'd allow you to teach us to know what it means to pray in the Spirit as you promised and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Look at this verse. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the beloved. The beloved. That means he's talking to the people of God who have faith in Jesus Christ. I love that. The Bible calls us the beloved, beloved of God. Who are we talking to? We're talking to the beloved, the people of God. And what, what are we being exhorted to do? Build ourselves up on the foundation of our faith, um, which started when we faithed the gospel. You know, I've used this illustration before. You know, I remember as a kid, very rarely, but sometimes I'd go to the, the, the pool to swim in the summertime, and I actually wouldn't even get in the water. 
But it would be, I'd go, I, I went swimming today. No, I went to the pool and sat. I didn't swim. Well, faith is the same thing. Sometimes people say, I have faith in Jesus, but they don't faith. When you faith the gospel, it means you get in it. And when you get in the gospel, the gospel gets into you. More accurately, when you get in the gospel, the Holy Spirit gets into you. So what are we to do? We're to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. How do we do that? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Is that what it says right there? How do you build yourself up? You pray in the Holy Spirit. Well, what will that do for us? It will keep us in the love of God, right? If we pray in the Spirit, we're building ourselves up. And what will it do for us? It'll keep us in the love of God. And how long are we to do it? Until Jesus comes back. Look at that. How long are we to do it? Until Jesus comes back. Waiting for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's an exhortation, which means it's a, come on, guys, let's do this. Um, I want to read it again. You don't have to join me. Save your voice. You got a Super Bowl. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And you say, well, Pastor Tim, that's the Baptist Bible. The New American Standard Version is the Baptist. It's the American. I want a more global response. Okay, here's the NIV. I don't have it up there, but it says this. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. That's, that's when he comes back. How do we keep ourselves in? How do we build ourselves up? By praying in the Holy Spirit. You know what I love to do? I love to look back and read quotes of great men and women of God as far back as Google can find them. And I find stuff from the reformers, from people way back, and the church fathers way back back. And I found three great quotes by great men of God as far back as the 1500s talking about prayer and praying in the power of prayer. Martin Luther. Martin Luther. He says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Isn't that true? Huh? Man. And then Sam Chad, Samuel, I'm sorry, Samuel Chadwick said this. He's another great writer, great preacher from the uh, 1800s. Here's what Chadwick said. I love this. Prayer turns ordinary mortals into men of power. It also does it for women. True. It brings power. It brings fire. It brings rain. It brings life. It brings God. Man, isn't that good? Hey, don't save your voice. Let's read that one. Read it with me. Ready? This is so good. Ready? Go. Prayer turns ordinary mortals into men of power. It brings power. It brings fire. It brings rain. It brings life. Isn't that awesome? Here's my favorite. Smith Wigglesworth. Pentecostal fireballer from the early 1900s. Smith said this. In me is working a power stronger than every other power. The life that is in me is a thousand times bigger than I am outside. Huh? Sounds like what Paul said about in Ephesians 3, praying that we'd be filled with all the fullness of God. Hmm? Praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit that Jude talks about, makes our spirit not only willing, but strong and able See, Simon Peter, remember we talked about him in the prayer altar? Simon Peter was willing, but he caved because his flesh was weak. Saul of Tarsus was willing to please God. Romans 7 said, I wanted as Saul of Tarsus to please God with all my heart. But he found a principle, another Saul of Tarsus in him. And that other Saul of Tarsus also had a power. And it was a power greater than his willingness to please God. It was a rebellious power. It was a self-centered power. It was a self-absorbed power. Paul said graphically, it was a wretched power, and it bound him. We all have that principle in us. We all, even as believers, have that principle. Our own nature is weak. But when the Holy Spirit empowers us, when we've been given a new nature, when we're born again, when we faith the gospel, our spirit is made alive by the Holy Spirit, and then we have the capacity to grow 
in the Spirit. When we've been baptized, not in the Jordan waters or in the tank or in the pool, but when we've been baptized by Jesus, as John the Baptist said, we will receive power. Now, the evangelical church does a great job emphasizing one of the greatest verses in the Bible, John 3.16, right? Even if you're not a believer, most people know that verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But we don't do a great job of emphasizing Luke 3.16. John the Baptist did, though. John the Baptist quoted Luke 3.16 before John the Apostle wrote John 3.16. And John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but one greater than I will come, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. When this occurs, we are, what Jesus said, clothed with power. Let me tell you what that means. That means the gift of God, the person of the Spirit. My opinion, the gift of God is the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, who is the gift of God, the Holy Spirit brings all his gifts with him. One of those gifts is the ability to pray beyond your limits. To pray beyond yourself. And that ability is given to all because it's like in my Kia Sorento 2011. I can drive that car in the snow, you know, with, uh, you know, it, with good, good tires, but then I can push a button. And that all-wheel drive on steroids, baby, kicks in, and I can go 40 in a 20 even when it's a lot of snow. And I don't, you know what I don't do? I don't go, oh, God, please give my Kia the gift of being able to, no, 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 no. That, listen, that, that, that ability is already in the Kia. There are, there are so many people waiting for something from heaven to come down on them when God is waiting for something in you to come up out of you. And I've heard people say, well, God just hasn't given me. Yes, he has. If he gave you the Holy Spirit, you got the whole ghost. When you get the Holy Spirit, you get the whole ghost. Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is what Jude is talking about. It means to pray in the Spirit's power. And when we do, it will make us strong, giving us the ability to stay in the love of God. It will keep building us up. It will keep the flame of faith alive so we can believe God, move forward in faith, and we can live that way until Jesus comes back. Now, we're going to go to a place that some never go. We're going to go to a place that some don't want to go. We're going to a place some people don't go. Some people might pray that I don't go. But I'm going to go, and if you want to, you can go with me to 1 Corinthians 14. And I want to hope, I want to hope, Lord, I pray, help me right now. I want to help demystify, unclutter the misunderstandings about this subject. Now, we're heading into something that it is, um, many people talk about it, many people don't understand it. I'm not saying I'm going to bring totally clarity and you're going to have an awakening and a revelation and all that. I'm not saying that, but I'm just going to, we're going to go there. I just want to teach something today by the help of the Holy Spirit with my motives before God. And so I want to talk about praying in the power, praying in the Spirit, and Paul's reference to tongues in the church and, and its relevance to the first century church. And I want to take these thoughts and, my, and my, my main point is to, is to say that I believe 
that you that you're not wrong you're not wrong you may not be completely exhausting the definition of praying in the spirit by saying this but you're definitely not wrong to equate praying in the spirit with praying in tongues i want to show you that from the new testament now before we go to there let's just pretend or let's assume that what we're about to look at we know was valid in the first century was valid before the scriptures were canonized. Um, most people can agree there. So let's just say that's the case for right now, um, and, and then just we'll just go in that context for now. Okay, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. Man, 15 minutes is up already? I gotta go. I gotta, I gotta, anyway. Do you want Twinkies or you want steak? All right. You want me to earn my keep? Or, anyway. For one who... Read it. Would you read it out loud? I'm, te- I'm telling you, you, you won't get arrested for reading this verse out loud. Ready? Here we go. Read it out loud. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Just look at it real close. Now, How did the Spirit use these gifts to empower Christians in the first century? Well, it says speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is speaking to God. Is that what Paul said? If someone speaks, they're speaking to God. They're not speaking to men. Now, I know it says speaks and it doesn't say praise. Okay? But stay with me. Because speaking to God is a form of prayer. Okay? Okay? Um, and I don't think we would be extreme. I want to be true to the scriptures here. I don't want to stretch or try to make something fit. But we wouldn't be extreme, in my opinion, if we might see this at least as a partial reference to praying, since praying is speaking to God. What else does it say about It says that they're uttering. He or she is uttering. That means they are vocalizing. That means they're using their tongue to speak like we do. They are, they are a part of this. And then it says, how do they do it? How do they utter? They utter, they utter in the Spirit. In the Greek, many times, and I say many times, and you can look this up, many times when that word en, E-N, is used, it can mean in, with, or by, and mean the same thing. In this case, I don't think you're doing damage to say that in any way. It's the same way when uh, John the Baptist said that Jesus would baptize you with the Spirit, in the Spirit, by the Spirit. And, and, and most people, everyone mostly agrees on that. Um, now, here's the context. First century, the Corinthian church. Paul is teaching the Corinthian church how to allow tongues during a church gathering because they were doing it wrong. And I have to say, in my 32 years, I've seen more people doing it wrong than doing it right. And he gives clear explanation of what a message in tongues is here. And he goes through that in the chapter. What are we talking about? Okay, in the church, in the church, during gatherings of prayer or teaching or preaching or worship, the Holy Spirit would move upon an individual fill them in that moment, and they would utter out a message in a language they didn't know, and the people didn't know. And they were doing it too much, and they weren't doing it right, and they weren't doing it in order, and it was causing great confusion. So Paul wrote and said, don't do that. Paul wrote and said, tongues passed away. No, he wrote and said, don't allow that in your church. That's not what he did. He taught them. He taught them. I said he taught them. Okay? He brought teaching. I was texting back and forth with my brother Sean Twig about this uh, about 10 days ago, and, and he said, we fear, the most, we fear the most things we don't fully understand, and even if they are good for us. And I, it reminded me of a wise older pastor, a mentor in my life one time, who said, some of us have been discipled to reject truth before we ever honestly and openly examine it for ourselves. Now, now listen, this is not enough. I, I, I really want you to 
catch my, my, the way I'm going with this. There are, there are good people, godly people, honored scholars who I love and I read and I listen to and I, I respect who believe differently than I do on this. Um, and, and, the, and, and there are different reasons, but the, the general one is, is, is their belief that this part of the Bible was valid back then, but, but it was before the Bible was fully, completely written. And they believe, uh, they believe it was real and valid in the church, but after the Bible was completed, they say there's no more need for this. And why do they say that? Because in their view of, of it, they see tongues and prophecy as revelational gifts. Um, Meaning the scriptures had not been uh, written, hadn't been canonized, and God was guiding and monitoring and speaking through these gifts, and 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 because they needed the guidance. Um, but then when the scriptures came, there was no more need for that. Now, if that's what really, if that's what those gifts were for, then I totally agree with people who believe that way completely. I would totally agree with that. Meaning that those gifts were inspirational guidance gifts, directing the church before the Bible was in hand. I would totally agree. But in my view, and I believe the scriptures point this out, that's not what those gifts were for. That was not their purpose. They were given to the church by the Holy Spirit for one, two, three purposes. So keep that, and you don't have to agree with me on this. Please, you don't have to agree with me. You can be a member of our church and don't have to believe this way. Honestly. And if you do believe this way, we encourage you not to press it on anyone. And if you don't believe this way, we encourage you not to press that on anyone. Now, you can wherever you are, but in our church family, we ask you to not. But with that said, I just want to present something to you. One of the reasons why people think this is no longer valid is because of, of the thought that it, they were inspirational, revelational, uh, because the scriptures had not been canonized, completed. The church needed that, right? Well, Paul says differently. Paul says, um, verse, this is the next slide, pals, verses 3 through 5, and I'm even using the English Standard Version. That's the one that's straight from God out today. <laughs> Straight from God. Used to be the King James was straight from God, then the NIV was straight from the New American Standard. Now it's the English Standard. I don't know what's next, but that, no, I, I love, I just, I just, I'm using this, I'm using this because this is, this is one that, that even people that don't believe like what I'm talking about, you know, this is a, this is a very valid translation. On the other hand, Paul says, the one who prophesies speaks to people, one, for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Notice that it doesn't say inspiration or revelation or guidance. Look, just, just look at it. The gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues in the church was on the same line of importance and, and validity if tongues was accompanied with the gift of interpreting the, the message. Okay? So that's where we're talking about. What were their purposes? Not spiritual guidance. Not speaking as scriptural inspiration to people. It was for, it was for upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Wait a minute, I just read in Jude. Building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, correct? But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Paul. Now I want all you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Okay. Let me drill down. Prophesy. Stop the clock. Prophesying. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't know if I agree with this, but it is pretty interesting. I'm not trying to stir up something, guys. I'm I'm just... Listen. All right. No. <laughs> Pr 
Prophesying, again, we're not even talking about today right now. We're talking about then. Prophesying is speaking to people. Listen. Prophesying is speaking to people the things of God when the Spirit comes on a person to do so as the Spirit wills. This is not preaching. Although this can and often does happen in preaching. Notice neither prophesying nor speaking in tongues or interpretations of tongues in the New Testament was revelational or inspirational. Meaning it wasn't like, this is straight from God. Or if someone would say they're doing that today and, and, and say there was somebody that came to you and said, I have a prophetic word from God. God showed me what the, what the interpretation of the seven thunders uttered in the book of Revelation are. You know that's going to be garbage, Jack. The reason is because nobody knows what that is, and that's, not, that's sealed to the last day. So if someone comes along with, I know, the Seven Thunders Answer Conference, don't waste your money. And I'm sure there's probably already been one out there. Anyway, you know what I'm saying? They were illumination gifts. The word for manifestation gifts from 12 to 14 is the word phanero. Not apocalypsis. Apocalypsis means uncovering, unveiling, revelation. Phanero means shine a light on something you didn't know was going on. Okay? Phanero, manifestation gifts. Nobody carries around manifestation gifts, although God puts people in the office of certain gifts. But the general public believer with the Spirit does not carry around, and this is where it gets dangerous. People go around saying they carry the whatever gift of whatever, whatever. That's not New Testament. Phanero means any, any Tom, Dick, or Harry, or Sally, open to the Holy Spirit, can be used in a moment to shine a light in a prayer meeting, a teaching, a church, to, to say some, that God is doing something. Right? But none of those things ever, ever, ever have been or ever will be on the same line as what's written from Genesis to the last chapter of the book of Revelation. And if anybody who believes in gifts goes off telling you that, they are wrong. But don't kill them. Don't, don't burn them at the stake. Most people aren't heretics. They're just hungry with, with, with no wisdom. Don't kill them. They might pass you up. How many of you know that the wheel's still in spin, as Bob Dylan said? Where am I? All right. Where are we? All right. Do you know... Uh, do you know what the Holy Spirit does for us? He builds us up, doesn't he? Does he ever encourage you? How about comfort you, console you? That's the person. And the person, when he does that, is never pointing to himself. He's always pointing to Jesus. Any kind of Pentecostal charismatic movement that doesn't have Christ at the center is off track. The testimony of Jesus is the true spirit of prophecy. It's not come see a man. Don't amen, just send money. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> see, that's what they'd say. God told them to say that. Oikodome, it means to build up. Periklesis, it means to exhort, to come alongside. Paraclete, paracleses. Paramethia, to speak closely and tenderly. Is that not the ministry of the person of the Holy Spirit? Let's go to the next verse, pals. For if, now, no, no, this, this, look at this one. Look at this one. For if I pray in a tongue, what's it say? No, will you read it with me? I promise you no one will get you. No one's going, no one's going to get you. And you don't even have to believe what you're reading. Just, would you read it out loud for me? 
For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit. Whoa. What did that just say? Jude said, Jude said, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Right? Now, Paul said, read it with me. If I pray in a tongue, stop. Just say la that for a minute. Now, would I be extreme to assume that Paul is equating praying in the Spirit with praying in tongues? But what's the rest? So does that also say that when I'm praying in the Spirit, that doesn't mean that I can pray. That doesn't mean that when I'm praying with my understanding, I'm not praying in the Spirit. But could we possibly make room that praying in the Spirit might have something to do with praying in tongues? What am I to do? Remember, remember, this is back then. We're not even here yet. We're back then. Paul, what am I to do? Read it with me, please. I will Don't you wish you lived back then when you could do that? Hmm. Would you read it again? Not just Dustin. <laughs> Dustin's ready to preach it. For if, go ahead, come on. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will. I will. I will. And I will. Wow. He tells the church that prophesying is better for church gatherings unless there is an interpretation to the utterance of tongues in a church gathering. Prophesying means speaking spiritually empowered words to the church given by the Spirit to people in a language that the people know. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for teachers. It's for believers. And they're given these powerful messages by the Spirit, and they're spoken in the language of the people of which they understand. And Paul said that's better unless a person who speaks in tongues is accompanied by the interpretation of what was said so the people can understand. Because the goal is not revelation. It's not starting a new denomination. It is, it is encouraging, upbuilding, and comforting. Shining a light, Fanero. Now, let me say something else. If you haven't figured this out yet, you will. There are people who speak in tongues who are weird. <laughs> and guess what else I found out? There are Christians who don't believe in speaking in tongues, and they're weird too. Lord Jesus loves them, but they're weird. Guess what else I found out? You're weird. <laughs> and you know what else? If you haven't found out yet, my wife will tell you and my kids will tell you I'm weird. <laughs> hey, you know what else I know? I've met pastors in this world who are weird. Not because they speak in tongues. They're just weird. And I've met pastors who don't speak in tongues, and they're weird too. And you know what? If you don't know this or not, if you're going to follow Jesus, there are people who are going to think you're weird whether you believe in speaking in tongues or praying in tongues or not. Today, wouldn't it be something after the game's over and the hero, whoever it is, let's just say it's Patrick Mahomes. I don't think it is. God told me it's not going to be. It's going to be the 49ers. <laughs> And I know the seven thunders. I'm going to tell you that at halftime. <laughs> right after J-Lo does her J-Lo. <laughs> I, I heard it's PG this year. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Let's say Patrick Mahomes. There he is standing there, right? He's standing there. And whoever says, hey, Patrick, you know, man, you were 32 for 37, 500 yards, six touchdowns, man. Do you have anything to say? 
And Patrick goes, well, before I get to that, I just want to say that I believe, I believe that Jonah got swallowed by a fish that took him down on the deep sea, died for three days, and the stomach acid didn't kill him, and the sea pressure didn't kill him. Then he got vomited up on the shore. He preached to Nineveh and saved the whole, the whole nation. And I also believe a donkey spoke to a man. Go, chiefs! <laughs> Wouldn't that be weird? That'd be so weird. You know what, though? It would be scripturally accurate, but it would be freaking weird. Man, there are some things that we have done and all have done, whether you're a tongue speaker or not. And we've just done it the, at the wrong time. We've used good scripture in the wrong way. And we just, the world just thinks we're a bunch of weirdos, whether we speak in tongues or we don't speak in tongues. And you know what? They're right. But they're weird too. They're weirder than we are. I watch the Grammys. The creator. What the heck was that? I don't know if you don't even watch it. I thought, you know, I'm going to watch the Grammys because we're going to talk about Kobe Bryant. And I'm like going, man, what in the world? Then I got my condemnation pat prophet mask on, so I had to turn the channel, turned on King of Queens, and got back to God. <sighs> King of Queens will always get you back to God, man. Praying in the Spirit. <laughs> I wish I'd remember all this stuff for the second service. They're going to get left out. Praying in. <clears throat> uh, I'm tired now. I don't want to talk. Praying in, <laughs> praying in the Spirit. Uh, praying in the Spirit. All right, let's go to the next one. Praying in the Spirit. That means praying, praising, worshiping, listening beyond the limits of human strength and intellect alone. How many of you want to be kept in the love of God? I mean, you want to, you want to not only be scriptural, but you want to be sweet about it. You want to keep the flame of faith burning so you can believe God. Keep yourself built up and be that way all the way until Jesus comes back. Hmm? You know what I found out about my life? I have to say this about my life. This is true in my, in my life. Any creativity that I have, any sensitivity to the moving of the Holy Spirit, any, anything about being led to pray for someone, stopped in my tracks to witness someone on a boardwalk in Ocean City or wherever, and I've done it a, million, a lot of times, hearing a word in the word to preach or teach, in the midst of preaching, something happens and I say something that wasn't in my manuscript and later someone will say, hey man, when you said this, you were talking exactly to me and I won't even remember I did it and it wasn't in my manuscript. I attribute all that from the moment as a young kid, I, be I began as a young believer to pray in the Spirit. Now I want to force that, and it's hard. I'm preaching this, and I want it to come across. I'm trying to, here, drink this. I'm not trying to do that. I really am not. Really, I, I'm just T. McGee dropping off a load of wood from the truck at your feet. And you can inspect it and decide if you want to throw it in your wood burner of the Spirit or not. But I highly exhort you to consider that Jude and Paul heard from God. Now, again, wonderful. I've got dear friends who I'm not going to get in a fight with over tongues or gifts or anything else, who are my brothers, my sisters, man. The only thing that bothers me, some of them don't like the Steelers and they don't like the Celtics. they got problems. I mean, you want to talk, you want to talk about dividing the church. Let's fight over. If we're going to fight over something, why aren't you a Celtics fan? I'm joking. And, the, and, and they say, you know, the, that verse, you know, the verse says all these things happen until that which is perfect has come. And they equate that with the canon of Scripture. And I'm not want to fight, but look, okay, this is my view. The perfect is not the Scripture. The context of that chapter is this. We now, here's what he said, we, now we see through a glass darkly, but then... And if you and he read he, in the context in the in the general context of twelve to fifteen, he's talking about the the resurrection of Christ, the 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 revelation of Christ, how God's working in the world in the church, and he and he and he and, the, and it comes to its pinnacle when the kingdoms are turned over from the Son to the Father, and God will be all in all. And it, it's all in that. It's not just one verse, one chapter. It's all in all. 
Then, now we see through a glass darkly, then face to face. I can't accept that when I'm looking in the scriptures, I'm looking in the face of God. Because the New Testament, when it refers to looking in his face, does not mean he's going to put the Bible in front of you. It means you're going to see him. Martin Luther, great Reformed theologian and pastor, wrote a song in 1529. It's called, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Listen to some of the lyrics. In 1529, Martin Luther thought he was fighting the beast of the book of Revelation. I don't think he was wrong because the spirit of Antichrist has, has whirled around this world forever. It could be whirling around now, 100 years from now, 200 years from now. And every time those scriptures in Revelation are applicable. And he says, he writes this, a, you have time? A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For, listen, for still our ancient foe. It's 1529. For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name, from age to age, the same. And he must win the battle. Listen to this. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him when he comes from the skies. I added that part. Listen to this now. That word, he's talking about the scriptures. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. Meaning, meaning the word of God still reigns, no thanks to them. And then he says this, ready? 1529, 1529. A reformed theologian says, the spirit and the gifts are ours. I'm going to read the whole thing again. The word, so he's in the word. The word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him, meaning the Holy Spirit, who with us sideth. So let good and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Yeah. Question. Do you need the power? Jesus said, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Be my witnesses. Do you need the power to stand and not cave? Jesus promised to those who wanted to overcome, he would make a pillar in the house of the Lord. It reminded me of the days of Solomon when he, built, when he built the temple and he put two pillars at the entrance, one on the right hand, one on the left. Yaquin was on the right hand, was the name of the pillar, on the left, Boaz, right? Those pillars were 35 cubits high and they were made of bronze. Gold is a symbol of God in heaven and his deity. Bronze is a symbol of man who has overcome in the power of God's victory. And when John sees Jesus, the ascended Christ, his feet are burnished bronze, meaning Jesus has walked through it as the son of man and has triumphed. And when you see these pillars as you enter the temple, they are bronze pillars. Yaquin and Boaz. Yaquin means God will establish, and Boaz means strength. I think I read it that in Jude. You know what that's saying? That's saying in Solomon's day, when the people went to enter the temple, God gave them encouragement before they entered in by them seeing the pillars. When you saw the pillars in the house, you knew this. God can establish my life, and God can strengthen my life. I said, when you see the pillars in the church, I said, when you see the, not the pews, the pillars in the church, he established me. He is strengthening me. People coming in from the outer 
parts and into the outer court to go in there have already seen people made by the power of God. Come here and get established, God says. Come here and receive the strength of the Lord. Jude, the brother, half-biological brother of Jesus, never calls him brother when he introduces his, ap- his epistle. He says, I am a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of us, some of us need to have the scales removed from our eyes. We've been sitting in a religious company around the gospel, around the power. But one of the reasons why people do not avail themselves to the ministry of praying in the Spirit has nothing to do with scholarly conviction. Now, some it does. Others, they mask what is the real issue. Fear and pride. Not everybody. Not everyone. But some. Some fear. Some have been taught. You know what? If you open yourself up, you don't know what, God, what, what spirit you might get. Let me ask you. I read that somewhere, someone that knew God said this. If you ask him for bread, he will not give you a serpent. Who, who said that? Jesus. G- oh, Jesus said that. Meaning that his providential sovereign reign. Do you understand that if it wouldn't be for the sovereignty of God restraining the wicked spirits of the earth, that this place would go off its axis? So, if you, with open humility, are seeking to walk in what Jude and Paul said would establish you and strengthen you, keep you sweet in the love of God, and anticipating the coming of Jesus... And you go after that, do you think that Lucifer has any power? Because let me, let me tell you another thing. The devil might be the devil, but he's God's devil. And he can't do anything against the will of God. Nothing. So if you're seeking the Lord for his spirit... Satan has no power to make any other spirit come in you. God's too powerful. Hey, if he has that much power, we better go hide in the caves. He's a boaster. He's an egomaniac, and he doesn't have the power he claims to have. All power in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus said. All power. Would you stand? Would you stand? Praying our way to the finish line. Here's what Jude says. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Remember the context now. We start out praying this. We're on the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, cooperating with the move of the Holy Spirit, teachable, open. Here's what God will do. This is the doxology. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy, To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory. Now look, glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and when did it pass away? Right, forever. Can you say amen to that? Heavenly Father, I pray, I pray that you would take this word, you would take this word, Lord, out beyond this church through the live stream to people who are kneeling down by their couch right now or by their bed, lifting their hearts to heaven and no longer waiting for something to drop out of the sky. But as Jesus said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of, out of, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke concerning the spirit who at that time had not yet come because Jesus had not yet been glorified. But he is glorified and the river flows. Go past ankle deep, go past knee deep, go past waist deep and say, Lord, open my mouth and I'll allow you to fill it. We're going to open the altars for prayer. I remember being filled with the Holy Spirit as a kid 
And uh, the first thing I did wasn't speaking in tongues, but I would lay on my bed in my room and, and passages of scripture started coming out of my mouth that I had not memorized, that I had not studied. They were things that had been packed into my life when I was eight, nine, ten years old. And I'm a 19-year-old kid filled with Jesus and, and, and passages of scriptures. And I would be in testimony times in, a, in churches that didn't even believe. And they'd say, does anybody have a testimony? And someone would get up and say, hey, I want to thank the Lord. You know, Jimmy's out of the hospital. And that's great, Jimmy. Isn't it great when Jimmy's out of the hospital? That's great. Jimmy's out of the hospital. This person. And something would start to bubble inside of me. I'm a 19-year-old kid. I'm a 19-year-old kid. I thought I was going to bust, but the spirit of the prophet's always subject to the prophet. So to interrupt, I waited. And I got up, and I just began to speak Scripture. And I had people in a church that didn't, I didn't do it, God did it, in a church that didn't believe. Women start shaking. God. One woman said, boy, God's all over you. I didn't even know what that meant. I'm, a, I'm telling you. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Of power. Of power. You can't find a New Testament church that was fruitful by, and written to by Paul, confirmed by Paul, that he didn't talk about God's gospel coming with great power. Heavenly Father, I pray today, come with great power. Enable your people Enable your people to go beyond limits in praise and worship and prayer. Enable your people, O oh God, to become established and strong. Grace from the, from the foundation stone to the cornerstone as we shout glory to the one who has placed the golden candlestick in the center of the church with beautiful heavenly oil flowing nonstop, nonstop, and let it flow today. Quicken your people to receive the word of God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.